welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Kathleen Hallisey, a senior associate in the abuse team at Hugh James, and this is HJ Talks About Abuse. I'm joined by my colleagues, Danielle Vincent and Hannah Hodgson. And today we're going to be talking about some recent headlines indicating that there is an epidemic of sexual abuse in hospital settings. So I'm just going to pause here for a moment to give you a bit of a trigger warning. We are talking about sexual abuse and sexual assault. So there might be some things that we're discussing today that might be a bit difficult for you to hear. So if that's the case, and maybe this is not the right podcast for you for today, please just feel free to turn on and and go um, do something nice for yourself. Otherwise, if you'd like to join us, welcome. Thanks, Kathleen. So today we are talking about the new findings in regards to sexual abuse in hospital settings. And this was following a, a report by the Byline Times. And we have talked about this before. So any other podcast listeners, you will have heard us discuss abuse in hospital settings. But we've got some new statistics that we're going to start with. Met Police have released new data that reveals the extent of sexual violence in London hospitals. So this is quite a narrow sphere in regards to the country. But these are the statistics that they found. 1,753 sexual offences in NHS hospitals between January 2019 and September 2022. 511 of these were rapes. None of these rapes resulted in charges or summons. The overall rate for rape charge is 2.7% in the MET. To note, this information did not break down where the sexual assaults actually took place within the hospital, for example, whether it was on a ward, a waiting room, a toilet, the car parks. However, previous findings show responses from 18 police forces that revealed that between January 2019 and September 2021, at least 633 sexual offences took place in hospital wards across England and Wales. During this time, there were... 36,879 mixed sex accommodation breaches across the NHS. And this does not include data from the period between March 2020 and October 2021, when reporting was suspended due to the pressures of coronavirus pandemic. The findings also showed that there were more than 9,000 mixed sex accommodation breaches across the capital's hospitals. And I think it's important to say when we talk about statistics that these are only the reported known cases. And having worked with sexual assault victims, we know that a lot of people do not report the abuse. Thanks, Danny. Those are some really um, stark and startling statistics. Really scary yeah. to think about when you're in hospital and you're vulnerable that this could yeah. happen. Yeah, completely. And I think it's also important to say that these statistics don't necessarily break down the perpetrators. So it doesn't break down really whether this was by professionals or 
other people, you know, patients in hospital. So it kind of does lead us to sort of two separate issues of safeguarding um, with regard to other patients sexually abusing other patients on wards. We have an issue of, you know, how are we vetting patients before they're going on to wards, particularly mixed sex wards and accommodation that's being shared by many other people. Obviously, with regard to sexual abuse by medical professionals, we sort of have to think about what should we really be expecting in a medical setting with regard to safeguarding. Now, we obviously have touched on this previously in another podcast, but, you know, there is sort of a, a standard that, you know, everyone should expect to be followed when we're going into hospital. So just to name a few, privacy. So perhaps if you're having a an examination, we should all expect to have privacy within that. So whether that's being in a private room or having a curtain or even a place to change your clothes before or after that's taken place. Ending the exam at any time as well. So if anything about the exam makes you feel uncomfortable, you should obviously be able to ask the person examining you to stop and they should obviously stop right away if you are uncomfortable with that. Also chaperoning and and having the right to have someone else in the room with you, for example, being able to have maybe another nurse or family member with you in the room to, to make sure that you are comfortable and not being abused in any way at all. That's really also, helpful, Hannah. I think um important to note too that you can ask for an examiner of a different gender so you know if you're a female and you perhaps want a female doctor or or vice versa maybe you would prefer a male doctor you know that's something that you can ask for if that's going to make your examination more comfortable or your appointment more comfortable i think we should also discuss because i personally have represented two female clients in regards to consent is ongoing so especially if you're going in for any form of examination I've had clients that have gone in for unrelated issues for example and the the medical profession has asked to do an internal examination and in my two particular cases that was not required or not needed due to the injuries that they they were going to seek medical attention for and we've had successful settlements in in both of those cases because what our clients went in and consented to in examination was not what happened to them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important point because, you know, I think people, obviously, you go to a doctor because they're the professional and they're the expert and you're expecting that they're going to do the right thing. And so you might feel, and I think generally people feel, intimidated by the situation and therefore wouldn't question, well, why now are you doing this type of internal exam, even though it might feel strange and uncomfortable and maybe your gut is telling you this doesn't seem quite right. And I suppose that's maybe a bit of the takeaway from today is for, you know, people listening to know that if your gut is telling you something is not quite right here, trust yourself and don't be afraid to say, no, this isn't right. And I, you know, would like someone else in the room or or I want to talk to somebody about what's happening or I need to understand why you think that procedure or that examination is is necessary. Yeah, I think you're you're very right there. You know, I Myself, if if I went and a, a medical expert told me I needed some form of, you know, examination, I wouldn't feel that necessarily I would question it because, as you say, they're the expert. But again, the other point is if if something's explained to you and you don't understand, you can ask and ask and ask until you, you are happy with the explanation of what's going to happen to you. So you're clear what you're consenting to, what examination is going to take place and the reason for that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think, you know, on that note, Danny, I was thinking about that in terms of, you know, I've been raised by somebody who's a nurse to always question medical professionals and not treat them as gods, as I think people do tend to do, you know, mostly doctors, but medical professionals generally, and that you need to advocate for your own health. And if something isn't right, not being afraid to question it. And, you know, again, I appreciate that that's a lot easier said than done. And and for me, it's something I've been raised with, so I'm much more comfortable questioning but I don't think generally people are. And so it would take some time to kind of build the confidence to do that. But again, I think you just have to go back to the point of if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. And not being afraid to say, no, I don't like this or I need some more information. Yeah, and we are not, we, we've kind of taken the podcast in the route of, of medical professions, but we've also had a number of instances where there's been sexual assaults on, on wards. Sometimes they, these seem to happen on, on mental health wards where the patient may not have capacity for any form of consent. And I know that we've seen statistics and other sort of investigations in respect of that. So this is all falling within this area. Yeah. And I think, you know, that becomes a safeguarding issue really in terms of the liability or of a hospital or, or whatever setting it happens to be. If there is kind of a patient on patient sexual assault, depending on the setting, what type of kind of risk assessments were done, what type of vetting was in place in terms of allowing that person to be on the ward. Yeah. And I think particularly, you know, obviously with the pressures of COVID and hospitals getting increasingly busy, it is just sort of the issue of how are they managing the wards to make sure that people are safe when they're in hospital. As we mentioned before, you know, particularly on mixed sex wards, it's just about really how hospitals are managing this issue and and the people that are staying in there. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I think that's a really good point, Hannah. It's what I was thinking about when I was saying, you know, about advocating for yourself and, and not being afraid to question or, or end the examination. But as we all know, the pressures the NHS are under and also yeah. as patients, what it's like to try and get an appointment. I can see where even for myself, I might think, oh, I'll just go forward with whatever this is, even if it doesn't feel right, because God knows when I'm, I'm going to be able to be seen again. So, you know, altogether, it's a really difficult situation. I don't want to discount that at all. But just to really, I suppose, raise awareness of the issue that there is clearly an issue with sexual assaults happening in, in medical settings. And I'm not sure it's something that we're talking about enough. No, I completely agree. No. And, and you know, as we know at the moment with the NHS, as we're recording this, there are strikes because the nurses are considerably under pressure. And so it's another factor that they are effectively there to do their jobs. Safeguarding as well is, is another element of an already overstretched mm-hmm. wards. So it's a really difficulty. But I think the hospital CEOs and people in power really need to look at the statistics and the findings and consider further safeguarding. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really fair point. And, you know, nurses are the ones that are doing the hard jobs often and um, yes. overworked and underpaid and doing the best that they can. And it really needs to, I think, as you say, rightly, Danny, it needs to be kind of a top down situation where heads of hospitals or hospital groups are taking a look at this issue and deciding what they can do to not only keep patients safe but also support their staff in doing their job. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I think there'll be more to come from this with further statistics and as we say wider statistics and the ones we've focused on have been primarily London to see especially with the pandemic what changes are coming and what further statistics will come out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining me for this podcast, a really important issue to talk about. So thanks for bringing it to the fore. And thank you, podcast listeners, for listening to this 
today. If there's anything that you want to discuss with us about this topic, or if there is anything that you would like to hear us talk about, please don't hesitate to get in touch with any of us. My colleague Danielle can be reached at danielle.vincent at hughjames.com or myself, Kathleen Hallisey at kathleen.hallisey at hughjames.com. And I'm sure I'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.